1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 16. If you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand for the reading and the reverence of God's holy word. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 16, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? I don't know about y'all, but I think he's talking about the Lord's Supper right there. The bread we bless, the cup we drink. I, I, y'all, y'all see that? I think that's what he's talking about. Jump down with me, if you will, to verse 21. And verse 21 is kind of going to uh, summarize what's talked about in verses 17 through verse number 20. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21, Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Now, I don't know about y'all. I think he's talking about the Lord's table. I think he's talking about the Lord's supper. And the reference to cup, to make sure, I'm pretty sure he's talking about the cup you drink at communion. And so that's what we see here in these two verses. Let's go to Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll jump right into God's word tonight. Dear Lord, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And Lord, I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your grace. Thank you for the sweet songs of Zion. Lord, how thankful we are for that old rugged cross. But Lord, more importantly, we're thankful for the one who died on that cross, Lord, to buy the price of man's redemption. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that, that, that old rugged cross. But Lord, more importantly, we thank you for that empty tomb where you defeated death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, we're so thankful, God, that you give us access to you. And Lord, we sing, God, and I sing with truth in my heart. Oh, how I love you. God, you've been a good God to me, and I'm so thankful. And Lord, I, I, I'm, Lord, I understand that you paid way too much for me, but I'm so glad that you did. I love you, Lord, and I appreciate you. I pray for a little while tonight you'd help us as we gather around your word. I pray, God, that spirits would be encouraged, the saints would be encouraged, uh, we would be challenged from your word. And I pray, Lord, we'd leave here tonight with a heart of praise and thanking you for all that you've done. Lord, I love you and I thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. Say one thing by way of introduction and we'll jump into our verses tonight. We'll look at two verses and we'll give you two things on those two verses. But by way of introduction, I'm going to say, Paul, by inspiration of God, used the Lord's Supper to combat a Corinthian crisis. And now you say, Brother Jacob, what is that crisis? He said that but really what you see in these verses that you get, Brother David, you got people pulling up to the Lord's table uh, when they've been sitting at the devil's table. God took exception to that. Paul took exception to that. And I think, quite frankly, the church of the living God ought to take exception to that. I don't believe it's right. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's beneficial. I don't think it's true for somebody to claim to be at the Lord's table and actively sit at the devil's table. Amen. That's what Paul's addressing here. This hypocrisy needed dealing with. And there was something God wanted them to consider. And tonight as we focus on the Lord's Supper, I believe there's some things we should consider along with the church of Corinth. Two things to consider. I'll give them to you and we'll move on in the service. The first thing we need to consider looking at verse number 16 is we need to consider His choice. His choice. Y'all notice with me if you will. 
this cup, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of who? Christ. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Brother Thomas, it's Christ's body. It's Christ's blood. And now, though these, these wafers are not His actual body and the juice is not His actual blood, they are both symbolic of the broken body and the shed blood of the darling Lord Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. But I will say this, and I... I hope you hope you hear me hear me well when I say this. Um, Jesus made the decision to come. It was part of the divine plan of God to come to the world and die in the stead of sinful men. And I'm so glad that He did. And we reflect on His choice. We're going to follow up. And we're going to reflect on our choice. His choice, our choice. What do you think about this? Looking at this. Blood that is represented in this communion. What about this bread that's represented in the communion? Think about His choice. We think about His choice. There's two things I want to point out here. We think first off on His grace. His grace. Y'all heard the acronym before. Great God's grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, I'm not mince any words in saying this. The Lord Jesus Christ chose to leave the portals of glory. And came to this old sin cursed world. That's exactly what he did. That is his grace. You say, what's the big deal about grace? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. We deserve to go to hell. We don't have to go to hell. That's God's mercy. But we needed a Savior. We didn't deserve a Savior. And God gave us a Savior anyhow. That is grace. He came to this earth. He left the portals of glory. He came to planet earth. Thank God for it. And I, I'm going to just give uh, just, uh, just, just five boom, boom, boom thoughts that really wrap up, the, wrap up this reality, wrap up this thought. And I don't know what you call it any otherwise. He came to earth. He came to earth. He didn't go to Jupiter. He didn't go to Saturn. He didn't go to Mars. He didn't go to Venus. He didn't make Jupiter, Saturn, Venus, and Mars. But Sister Kathy, He didn't go there. He came here. He came to earth. Not only did He come to earth, He came as man. He didn't come in God form. He came in human form. He was 100% God and 100% man. He was God robed in the flesh. And I'll be honest with you, if I was the God man, I don't think I'd let people treat me the way he let people treat him. But he came as a man. See, a man have to make decisions and have to deal with the consequences of being a man. Know that there are uh, that our decisions come with consequences. And you know, the Lord that wasn't it wasn't a normal man. He wasn't sinful like men are. But he did have to deal with the consequence of being a man. You say, what is that? That he could be treated badly. He could be rejected. He could, unfortunately, he could be spat upon. He could be hit with the hands. He could have a crown of thorns uh, 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 crushed upon his head. Y'all following me tonight? He came to earth. He came as man. He came with love. Thank God for it. He came with love. And uh, we find in, in, in the Word of God that the, where the Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. And thank God we have a, a propulsion, a motivation in our life that is the love of the lovely Lord. But can I tell you, there was something motivating the Lord Jesus. What was that love? Love for who? Was it love for Himself? No. Was it love for the Father? No. His love that motivated Him was not, not the love of the beautiful sight and the beautiful monuments and the beautiful mountains and the beautiful ocean and the beautiful trees and the beautiful 
beautiful landscape. The love that motivated the Lord Jesus was His love for you and me. He came to earth. He came as man. He came with love. But not only did He come as man, He came for man. He didn't come to make friends. He didn't come to just hang out with Peter. Y'all believe that? The Lord didn't come to just hang out with Peter. He didn't just come to perform miracles. He didn't come to uh, just get in on the... He wanted to see what it was like to participate to, uh, in the Jewish feasts and celebrations in human form. No, Brother David, that wasn't it. Maybe he wanted to... For, you know, for, he's, he's always walked on the clouds. What he, maybe he didn't come just so he could walk on water. He had always been the door. He didn't just come so he could open a door. He came for man. He came for man. We were His mission. And uh, there is an expression down at our house uh, that it is not a popular expression. It is not a loved expression. It is not a desired expression. But when something gets added to the agenda, we say we, there's an equivalent of make case. Let it be a surgical mission. If you need uh, almond flour from Walmart, go in and get almond flour from Walmart. Get in and get out. That's the main goal. Don't stop on that aisle. Don't stop at that aisle. We got to get to the house. Now, we didn't say that today. She was perfectly fast today. I'm just talking about all the other times she's not that fast. All right? Amen. But the truth of the matter is, is in the way we think in life, we have missions. We have goals. We, we're going to do one thing and one thing only. That's what the Lord came for. He came for man. He came for man. He came to earth. He came as man. He came with love. He came for man. He came to die. He came to die. The disciples thought He came to take over, but He came to die. They thought that He came to overthrow the Roman government, but He came to die. He thought, they thought He came to purify perverted Judaism, but He came to to die. Y'all follow me tonight? Say amen. amen. Think of, we think of His choice. We think of His grace. The part that really got me is, you know all those things. I know all those things. But there's something that, I, that just occurred to me in studying that I just I never thought about before. And I said, oh man, I had to circle back and think about something. I never thought of this before. Not only think about His choice and we think of His grace, but we think about His grant. His permitting what He allowed. The great God of all heaven and earth. You say, well, Jesus isn't God. Yes, He is. Acts chapter number 20 says, This is the church of the living God which, he hath, which, he hath, which God hath purchased with His blood. So Jesus and God are synonymous one with another. Say one more time. Jesus is God and God is Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These three are one. Somebody hear me? But the great God of all heaven and earth, I don't feel any reservation. I don't think God's upset that I'm referring to Jesus as the great God of heaven. Amen. Amen. The great God of all heaven and earth gave those that crucified Him the ability to crucify Him. You see, I've thought of that before. I don't know if we've all thought about it this way, or at least I don't think I have. I'm not focused on it anyway. He gave those that Crucified him, the ability to crucify him, and it's more. It's more than uh, you say. Hey, I'm gonna let you shoot me. Let you, me give you a bullet. Right. It's more than that. Right. It's bigger than that. Amen. No, I'm not just referring to God's design of giving men hands. He did give men hands, but that's not Him giving them the ability. 
It's not just referring to God giving man the intellect to forge the necessary tools and concoct methods of execution, and that's what the cross was. It wasn't his fake brother, but he gave him hands and gave him a mind and intellect. It was something much bigger than that. Y'all may have thought about this before. I didn't. If I did, I don't remember it. I've never focused on it a whole lot. So if this is elementary to y'all, y'all just y'all just just pretend like just be excited for me, okay? They could only touch him because he allowed them to touch him. They could only touch him because he gave them permission to touch him. There was times, we think about the woman with the issue of blood, that he was in constant passive contact with people and he was touched. But there was also times they wanted to touch him and couldn't. He gave them the opportunity to harm his body. He gave them opportunity to shed his blood. Lord's Supper in mind. He gave them the ability to, to, to break the bread. He gave them the ability to fill the cup. You say, I'm not following you, Brother Jacob. There were times they wanted to kill him, Brother David, but he just wouldn't let them. They, at the cross, they had the ability when they spat upon him. They had the ability when they put the crown of thorns on his head. They had the ability when they put the reed in his hand. They had the ability when they uh, uh, scourged him with that cat of nine tails. They had the ability. But there were times they wanted to kill them and they could not kill them. So this is totally different. Brother Dave, there's been seasons where they could not touch him. And now there's comes a season. Jesus said it was the time. And he took that ability. Uh, he activated that ability for them to touch him. So I'm not following you, Brother Jacob. Luke chapter 4. You don't got to turn there if you want to. You can. But I want to read you three verses in Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter 4. I want to read verse 28 through 30. And you can think about this what you want to think about this. I can't say exactly what happened, but I do know whatever happened was miraculous, all right? Luke chapter 4, verse number 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of a hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. And if I read that right, he allowed them to have contact with them going out of the synagogue, going out of the city, but when it comes to where they wanted to throw him off headlong, head first, Brother George, they suddenly lost that ability. They could disrespect him, they could hurt him, they could run him out of town, but they could not kill them until he said, you can kill me. Now, you say, what happened in verse 30? But he passing through the midst of them went his way. I can't tell you exactly what it is. I'll give you some possibilities, but there is really only one answer I can give. Number one, here's the answer. It was a miracle. I don't know if he turned invisible. I don't know if he turned into flash. I don't know. I don't know if he teleported like he did when he passed through the door. I'm not exactly sure. But what I do know, Brother David, is he revoked their ability to touch him, kill him, harm him. But now we've come to the cross of Christ, Brother uh, brother Bill, and he said, I'm not revoking anyone's ability. I'm not preventing anybody. I give them permission. I give them access. I give them the entrance to harm my body, break my bread, shed my blood, feel the cup. 
is I'm not sure about that, Brother Jacob. John 19, I'll read you three verses there if you care to read along. John 19, verses 9 through 11. You could read more about this, but I'm just going to read these three. And we find Jesus is before Pilate um, in the extended, uh, the extended account according to the Gospel of John. John 19, verse 9, And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Now, can I say something? Can I take a time from the verse? What Pilate's about to say is very cute. Very cute. He, he, was, he thought he was being so courageous and so dignified. It was cute. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speak thou, speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Pilate's saying, Mr. Mr. Christ, you better respond to me. I've got the power. I can crucify you or I can release you. He, what he's telling Jesus is the ball's in my court. I can do with you what I will. But Jesus quickly reminded him of what God reminded me about this week. And Jesus answered in verse 11, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Paul said, I've got the power. Jesus said, you just think you have the power. Jesus had the power. You know how they could beat him, capture him, arrest him, why Caiaphas could smite him? You know why they could put that crown on his head and put that reed in his hand? Because he gave them the permission, the power, the authority to do what they did. I've got the power. There's questions about jurisdictions. Well, why don't the Jews deal with us? And now we're in, we're in Caesar's we're in Caesar's territory. And then he found out he was from uh, from Bethlehem of Galilee, and said, "Well, that's Herod's jurisdiction." Herod sent him back to the pilot. Nobody really wanted to mess with him. Everybody claimed jurisdiction. And I tell you, the only jurisdiction that mattered was not uh, the Sanhedrin. It was not Herod. It was not Pilate. It was not the high priest. It was God. What government played part in this? It wasn't man's government. It was God's government. And He gave them permission to touch Him. He gave them access to touch them. He permitted them to crucify Him. His choice. We think about His grace. We think about His grant. Secondly and quickly, I only notice and consider... His choice, but when we consider His choice, it requires us to consider our choice. Look at verse 21 with me, if you will. Ye. Now, I'm not real smart, but I believe it's, this is directed at individuals. It's, it's written in format to, to the multitude, but when you read ye, it can speak to all of you, but it's speaking to you as well. Y'all follow me? Somebody said, I don't like them ye's in the King James. Well, some of you got to remember about ye, you, thee, and thou. Thou, singular, thee, plural. You got to have them. You is singular. Ye references plural. So we're speaking to the plural you. The plural you of Corinth. Y'all follow me there? For, yeah, y'all. You ones. I don't have what you want to say. You guys, as the northerners would say, all right? 
ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Again, ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Devils. We read a verse the other day. I think it was Casey. He said, devils? I thought it was devil. I said, I hate to tell you, son, there, there is the devil and there's all his fallen angels. And that's just part of it. So it's not the devil, it's the devils, plural. You can't sit at the Lord's table and sit at the devil's table. You can't drink from the Lord's cup and drink from the cup of devils. Our choice. What, what, what are two things we consider when we consider our choice? First off, we, we consider our believing. Our believing. Now, first thing, we're talking about drinking from a cup, sitting at a table, and we got two options, the Lord or the devils. The Lord's or the devils. Y'all see that. There's two choices. Well, first off, first thing we ought to address is our believing. Who are we trusting? Are we trusting in Satan to take us to heaven? Are we trusting in his fallen angels to take us to heaven? No, if we're trusting in Jesus Christ to take us to heaven, I think the next thing we must consider is already spoken for. You know, there's things that we, Brother David, there's things we can do that predetermine our next step. I decided as an 18-year-old boy that I was going to marry a pretty brown-eyed girl in Temple, Georgia. And you know, that already predetermined that I'm not meeting no woman at a hotel. Hello? I'll say for her, she married a chubby boy from Dallas, amen. And it's predetermined she ain't meeting no man at a hotel. It's predetermined, Miss Kathy, if we've chosen by faith to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, our next step's already decided for us. Our believing, who are we trusting? Are we trusting Christ? Or devils? Are we trusting God or the world? And I hate to tell you, there's a lot of people who say they trust in Christ, but they are lying to themselves. They are lying to the Lord. They are lying to the world. They say they trust in God. What they trust is in a God who is a spare tire, an umbrella, in stormy weather. They are trusting in a God who's only, they only need Him in bad times. They are trusting in, what they're really trusting, they're trusting in themselves and their way to navigate life. But I'm not trusting myself, I'm trusting God. I'm not just trusting Him for eternity, I'm trusting Him with my everyday. I am actively trusting in the Lord of glory. I mentioned it this morning uh, in Sunday school, I mentioned it again this morning uh, in uh, the morning service. I'm going to mention it again tonight, Romans 9, I'm, I'm already looking forward to preaching it. But the reality in Romans 9, how do you get the righteousness of God? You have faith in Jesus Christ. And I've had, I've had faith in Jesus Christ for years now, Brother David, and I'm not quit having faith in Him. I, I started having faith in Him. I'm going to keep having faith in Him. I'm going to keep on trusting Him. So we start with this choice. Whose table, whose cup are we drinking? Whose table are we sitting at? The first thing we've got to stop, we've got to say, who do we believe in? That's right. If you're saved, the next step is chosen for you. It's decided for you. Well, I'm trusting the Lord as my Savior. Well, you're sitting at His table. You're drinking from his cup. Yes. Well, I don't want to sit at his table. I don't want to drink from his cup. Are you sure you're trusting him? Are you saved? Is your faith in him? 
We had the conversation with the boys on the way uh, before we left church. And I said, hey, just heads up, guy. We had the conversation this morning about tithing. And, uh, Brother Ed, they didn't really understand that. I, I told them about, I told y'all this morning about the dollar out of 10. That was a tithe unto the Lord. And I said, now listen, it don't go to Sunday school. It don't go in the change offer. It goes in the wood plate when we give our tithes. I had to teach them that. And you say, well, it all goes to the same place? Not really. It all goes to the Lord, but it all goes to different purposes. Right. Amen. Amen. So we got talking with us. Hey, hey, boys, I want you know we're having the Lord's Supper tonight. And I said, y'all know what that means. And we went through it again. That, that we're having the Lord's Supper, and we're going to have the little, the little crackers, and we're going to have the juice, and neither one of y'all can take part in it. Okay, he said, well, why do you get to? I, just, I answered him the same way I'm going to tell y'all right now. Because my faith and trust is in Jesus Christ as my Savior. He said, when do I get to take part in the Lord's Supper? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yes. The first step, first step, you've got to be saved. Are you saved? Is your faith in God Almighty? Somebody says, well, I think there's a little more to it, Brother Jacob. Well, I'm just going to go with Jesus and Paul and Peter. I'm going to trust what they said. Uh, uh, he that believeth not is condemned already, but he that believe have the, uh, uh, he that believeth shall be saved. Hello, y'all believe that? Uh, Acts 16, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just going to go with what the Bible says. Are you saved? Our choice. We do have a choice in the matter. God didn't force none of us to be saved. God didn't force none of us to be Christians. No more. You had a choice in who you got married to. You had a choice in who you got spiritually married to. Amen. God didn't force none. I, I, it drives me crazy. I haven't heard it in years. Thank God. I don't think nobody says it here because I've said this so many times. God arrested me and drugged me down that aisle. God don't do that. God put me in a chicken wing, got me in a headlock, and did an arm drag takedown, threw me down to the altar. Hogwash. My hind leg. That's not true. God don't do that. God powerbombed me to the altar. Might as well have said that. Amen. God don't do that. We have a choice. We we get to come. He doesn't force us to come. We get. We got a choice. So we start with our believing. So I'm not sure, Brother Jay. Can I read you three verses in Matthew chapter number 11? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Y'all know the verses. We sing about it on Wednesday, I believe. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, Come unto me. That's an invitation. That's not, a, that's not an arrest. That's, a, that's an invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. First thing we consider when we consider our choices, look at our believing. But that, that will just lead us automatically by default to the second thing we must consider when we consider our choice. Not only consider our believing, we consider our behaving. Our behaving. The verse here says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You can't be drinking out of both. You cannot sit at two tables. You're sitting at one or you're sitting at the other. Somebody be smart enough and say, well, you technically sit in the middle of them, amen. Well, I'll tell you, you might be able to sit at a table down at the Wendy's, but you can't sit at two tables in the spirit realm. You're either at God's table or the devil's table, and you get real confused and make God look real bad to the world when you decide to sit at both tables. Amen. Tables up down to the high school, there might be a blended uh, 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 table crowd. But I'm telling you something, there's no blended table on the spiritual tables. You're either God's table or you're the devil's table. You say, well, what if they start acting like the devil? Well, they're sitting at the devil's table. Right. 
You only get to sit at the Lord's table if you're sitting at the Lord's table. I say you get lost, but you mar your testimony and get backslid. How bad is that backslide to the devil's table? Wow. Thank you, Lord. We consider here, how is our conduct? So what do you mean by our conduct? I know I preached on this this morning. I guess it's my fault. I studied this message first this past week, and then I did Sunday morning second. So this is probably my fault, but I guess the Lord orchestrated it that way. So y'all just going to get a double dose of this. If you're a born-again child of God, you behave like a born-again child of God. Brother Ed, there are times I want to stomp my feet, swing my fist, raise my voice, and show my tail. But there's something on the inside of me that demands that I not do that. There are times that I want to punch people in their noses. But something inside of me tells me I cannot do that. Hello? Now I'll go ahead and and spoil. If somebody hurts my family, I'll probably do more than punch them. I'm just going to put that out there. Part of me wants to have road rage, and I do get irritated sometimes. I don't know if I don't call them no names. They're at least their names I can repeat. Amen. Right. Some get out on the side of the road, and tell somebody they're acting like a fool. I can't, brother David, something says I can't. Right. Something is dictating that for me. Oh, is God just forcing you to do something like that? No, no, no. I made a decision. To trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. When I did, the Holy Ghost of God moved in on the inside. That's right. And now he's right. Brother Stephen Blue said this so perfectly. I mentioned it before years ago when we talked about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost of God is resident in all of us. If you're saved, he's resident, but he's not just looking to be resident. He's running for president. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Y'all, y'all right? How's our conduct? How's our conduct? Are our mouths saying we belong to the Lord's table and our lives saying we belong to the table of devils? Is our mouth saying we belong to the cup of the Lord? But as our lives saying we belong to the cup of devils. Our actions ought to line up with our words. Our words ought to line up with our actions. And y'all know the old expressions are uh, 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 actions speak louder than words. Our walk, talk needs to line up. Amen. Which cup are we drinking from? The Lord's or the world's? Which table are we sitting at? The Lord's or the world's? Our answers to these questions are proven by our actions. Now, I'm going to try to say something. Y'all don't have the graphic in your mind. I have it in my mind. But I had, I had up there about salvation, about faith, our believing. And it said, if it's the Lord's, then I drew down arrows of, uh, to this point. If we're, if, we're in the, if we're in the Lord's column on salvation... When we get to conduct, it ought to be a straight line. Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. If you're in the salvation column, you're, you're in the Lord, Brother George, it shouldn't go Lord, world. Amen. Nor is it going to go devil, Lord. Right. It should never cross. It should be Lord, Lord, or devil, devils. It shouldn't go, y'all see what I'm saying? It shouldn't cross. It shouldn't crisscross. It shouldn't X. Or our, our answers are dictated by our actions. If Christ is your choice in faith, He should be our choice in fellowship. Yes, amen. I'm going to get in trouble when I say this. I'm not buying. I'm not buying. I, 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 I've walked with the Lord too long, read this Bible too much, Brother Bill, to believe... And I believe you can get backslidden. Can I believe you get in sin? Yes, I've done it. 
But I don't believe you can live and stay that way. God will remove His children from this world. I believe that. If they refuse to walk His way. He's just backslidden. It's been ten years. It's been fifteen years. I don't know if they're backslidden. I don't know. They might just be lost. See, you don't know anybody's heart. But Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter number 7, Wherefore you shall know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Am I always perfect? No. You ask my wife, I'm not perfect. Amen. You ask my boys, I'm not perfect. You can ask Brother Ed, I'm not perfect. You can ask Brother Bill, I'm not perfect. You can ask Brother George, Brother Thomas. You can ask everybody, I'm not perfect. But there's something on the inside of me, Brother David. It's not perfect, but there's part of me that's a new creature. And because I've chosen the Lord in faith, Brother George, the decision on fellowship's already decided. It took me a little while to realize it as a youth. But once I realized I was supposed to be walking with him, you know what I started doing? Walking with him. Am I perfect? Do I stumble? Do I fall? Sure. But you know what I do? Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. God, restore me. God, I struggled with that. Give me victory. You know what he does, Brother George? He helps me. I said, well, God don't ever help me, and I don't even feel bad about such and such. I thank God. I thank God I'd go back again and make sure I was in. Yes. <laughs> Do we fellowship with Him? Are we walking with Him? Are we walking for Him? Think about His choice. He came. He lived. He died. He rose from the dead. I can't get over the fact that he, he gave them permission to do what they did. And our choice, we believe, we're in the faith, that our behavior, are we in fellowship? Are we walking with Him hand in hand as we go? I'm done tonight. Sister Kathy, would you come play, us, play something for us? We're going to transition to the Lord's Supper part of our service. But can I give you one quote as she comes? David Sorison, a pastor up north somewhere, said, How could one partake of the Lord's Supper while at the same time partaking in the table of devils? He, in effect, said, Go ahead and have fellowship with the world's crowd, but you won't have fellowship with the Lord. He wrapped it up quite simply. You can't do both. You can't sit at both tables. You can't drink out of both cups. You'd make a mess. I don't know about y'all. When I think about what he did, what he did, makes me think about what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I living a life that's pleasing unto him? Am I following him as I should? Am I obeying him? I close, and Miss Kathy's going to play for us. That's what. This is one thing we do every time we take part of the Lord's Supper. The Bible tells us in First Corinthians eleven twenty eight. But a land, let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We're going to have time prayer. I'm going to take time to pray. I'm going to encourage you to do the same. Is our faith and fellowship lining up? Are we saying we're... At, on the Lord's side with our lips, but are we saying something different with our lives?
I said, I'm pretty good, Brother Jacob. I'm not talking about your church life. I'm talking about your home life, your work life, your marriage life. I want to make sure that all of them are, Miss Mara, I'm testifying, hitting on all cylinders, the Lord's table, the Lord's cup. I don't want to be crisscross. Let's stand our feet. I'm done tonight. You do business with the Lord.